All right, everybody, and thank you for joining us. A very special episode today of the Roses and Rhetoric Show, episode number 33. As you can all tell, a very special guest with us, Bree Walton, who came across our opening for the GM position on our softball team. Well, Joe, we are really blown away by the caliber of people that we have had trying to interview for this position. I mean, it, this this shows everybody what Craigslist can do, Joe. I mean, don't you agree with that? There's a, definitely some high-quality applicants so far. Yeah. We were just blown away. So, of course, we got Bree Walton's uh, resume, you know, stunning. Bree, let's just start with that. Let's just start. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and why you think you're most qualified for the GM position for this team. Well, I mean, thank you, first of all, for having me in the interview. Um, no, I mean, I appreciate the getting put into the high-caliber, <laughs> <laughs> the high-caliber interviewee part. Um, let's see, my background is I'm born and raised in Tucson and played a lot of sports growing up and ended up landing in volleyball, went to University of Arizona on a volleyball scholarship and just been around sports my whole life. Now sports basketball is now a part of my life for the last 16 years, which I didn't bank on that. But so when it comes to sports world and coaching, I feel like I maybe have a leg up here. So that's why I decided to interview. Well, like I said, and of course, you know, people definitely know who you are. This is all a big deal. Anybody who's a fan of Tucson sports, Joe and I are both graduates of U of A ourselves, go wild. Always happy to have a local Tucson and go for the job. We really like to keep things local. With yeah, and shop local. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So, so Joe, let's go on to our, to our next question. Okay, so our last interview for this position, um, the interviewee was critical of female athletes on the team. Your resume boasts highly successful sports career. So what's your rebuttal to World Series winner Brian Anderson? And what are your favorite non-fictional and fictional female role models? Oh, gosh. I mean, the rebuttal to World <laughs> Series winner Brian Anderson could probably be its own podcast because <laughs> pretty much everything I could rebut about Brian Anderson <laughs> um, but I love him he's great but he's not qualified for this he needs oh. to be on the field not in the dugout oh. he needs to stay in his lane and mm. I'll be in the dugout and he can be on the field where the talent should be and I'll, I'll hone my talents where they should be which would be in the dugout managing said intramural softball team we would be lucky to have Brian on the team as a player. I don't know what position he would play. You might have to see what position he's qualified for out on the softball field. Yeah, um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like put him back out where he belongs, center field. Center field. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. We're actually going to hold tryouts for the team later on. Uh, but, I, but I think Brian would definitely be a top five contender for those positions, John. I'm I sure. Think so. I think we could blackmail him into it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, after that last interview, you can't even tell me we did it. <laughs> I, I think he, he gives everybody enough ammo. He just like you don't even have to say anything. He'll just dare. He'll bury himself. <laughs> I, I remember him showing a lot of interest in being the team mom. Actually, I think he, uh, he tried to persuade us with some orange slices and sunscreen last time. That's true. Again, not qualified. He actually sunscreen. He's definitely qualified because he's ah. like alabaster. Right. He used to call him right. White lightning, like in the weight room when we'd be doing sprints. Um. As far as fictional and non-fictional role models. Okay, so on a personal level, I have to say, I think the first one I can come up with, like digging back into the memory bank was probably Mia Hamm. 
Like um, I was more right. a big soccer family growing up. Though mm. soccer was my first like sport that I like really, really loved. And I mean, I still love. I'm such a fan. But I like distinctly remember being a really big Mia Hamm fan, and um, and obviously like the Brandy Chastain like ripping mm. off the jersey with right. eighty seven ab muscles, and you're like, holy cow, <laughs> she's so badass. Right, <laughs> so right. Badass. Like a Spartan. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> Um, and then like, you know, I was thinking like non-fictional and major league came to mind. Oh, right. Yeah. And the character, the owner for the Cleveland Indians, right? Rachel right. Phelps. Wasn't right, that right, right. I mean, what's not to love about that story? Like, let's take a, wasn't she like a Vegas showgirl? Let's take it. Let's move the team to Florida and just. Yes. Yeah, right. No. Phelps on it. I was, uh, I'm really glad that you didn't say Wonder Woman. Not that she wanted to be a great answer, but, you know, kind of cliche. So I'm glad that you went a totally different direction. I should have said Wonder Woman. Uh, very original. <laughs> very original. I was thinking Wonder Woman would be a sure bet, but uh, no, I'm, I'm glad that we took it in a different direction. And, uh, well, I was, you know, I was kind of thinking maybe like a little bit more relatable to right. the inner position. That's true. No, I, and, we, and we appreciate connecting the dots and that's always yeah, a good story. Yeah, I was trying a little bit there. Um, <laughs> Well, Brie, as you know, real life has upsets. Everybody knows this. Sometimes the ugly duckling gets the prom date, even though they're not as funny or charming as me or my co-host, respectively. Clearly. What aspects of softball are not well covered by statistics? Where do you think the GM intuition comes into play most on the softball field? I mean, I think the obvious answer there is like leadership, chemistry. Like those are unmeasurable aspects of any sport because there's no real statistic. And then I think secondly would definitely be sunflower seed consumption and mm. chewing, chewing tobacco consumption. Yes. And that reminds me of an important qualifier for the position, Brie. I don't know if you have a, a mouth tobacco addiction, but we actually are prohibited from chewing tobacco on the field. Is that going to be a deal breaker for you by any chance? I fully support the chewing tobacco ban. I think it's ah, disgusting. Yeah. Um, and how about chubble though? Is chubble a thing? Where they like, isn't that a thing where they like mix the chewing tobacco with the bubble gum? Isn't that what like Ooh. the big leaders do? A and then they like kind of dip and you don't really look like you're chewing. That's interesting. Uh, that might be the most disgusting thing that I've ever heard. Do you want to comment no, on it? It's that? foul. It's disgusting. Yeah. Like I don't understand it. It's so disgusting. It's like that's like putting a tic tac in coffee beans for. To, to be stupid. I don't even know why you would do that. Not a good like, example. I would prefer Tic Tac and coffee beans for sure. I'm yeah. choosing Tic Tac and coffee beans there. And that's good um, to know. And let's make a note of that, the Tic Tac and coffee beans. It might come up another, in another segment. Let me investigate that. Yeah, we might come back to that. <laughs> that's very good. I, I, I appreciate that. And I, I definitely think that some flower seed consumption is an overlooked aspect of the game. Personally, I know Joe and I have on more than one occasion commented on the ability for people to chew multiple sunflower seeds at once in their mouth like a squirrel a full yeah. chipmunk just pack the cheek and go for it but i i've never been able to accomplish that like i'm a one at a time sunflower. i, I do that as well I, I, can't, well I can't do the like let's put a handful in the mouth and yeah. i don't understand it i would tough skill the master yeah <laughs> well you know we're, we're a young team a lot of room for improvement and again something that we can look to improve and now that we have this idea of putting it in our heads i think it'll go a long way to seeing that improvement but uh i appreciate you bringing on. See what i'm already bringing to the team that's true that's true this is at least as important as brian's contribution for sunscreen so i think you guys are right now neck and neck for the position 
But I mean, isn't most intramural softball played in the evening? That's a really good point. That's a thought. That's a good point. Just a I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll make a note of that. And Joe, when you're ready, we'll go on to the next question. That's an okay. excellent point. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I guess if you were to get the GM, you could have some say in the timing of the things. Actually, I'm not sure. I don't think it, I don't think as the GM of the team, I don't think you have that much pull. <laughs> well, we'll see. Let me write that down. Hierarchy of decision making. This is interesting. <laughs> okay. Next question. In the grand spectacle of the universe, we humans can at times feel small. Inconsequential even. Does life have meaning? Where do we go when we die? In this world, in this life, what is the meaning of softball? And to immediately follow up, what's your opinion on team uniforms? I mean, you guys are, you have a very special skill for layering questions. <laughs> mm -hmm. There are so many different questions there with a lot. We, we like to pack it all in. Yeah. What's that? We like to pack them all in. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a full spectrum question. Like what is the meaning of life and also uniforms? All right. I mean, the meaning of life, I think I can say, honestly, raising two little kids is like, just don't be an asshole. Mm -hmm. Just don't be that guy or that girl. Like, choose kindness let's be kind let's leave this place a little bit better than it was when we got here and right now i feel like we can do a lot better and then there, i mean uniforms i mean come on everybody you have to have a uniform we agree community yeah. Team yeah. unity you get to put like your nickname on the back and you come up with a funny name when we were in la one of our friends played we had a, like a group of friends that played on a I feel like a county regional award-winning intramural softball team and their name wow. is the human man gods. Oh, interesting. <laughs> kind of a big deal in, yeah. in the Manhattan Hermosa Beach area down in LA. So I feel like, you, yeah, you have to. You get to put like your funny names on it, creates a sense of unity. And, you know, I mean, I think it shows real togetherness, especially when you're playing against a team maybe that doesn't have a team uniform, kind right. of like an average Joe dodgeball situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important insight. What kind of did you have a nickname by chance when you were playing uh, sports? Is there a nickname that you had that kind of motivated you? And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it motivated me, oh, okay. <laughs> but oh, cool. um, yeah. So in college, at my volleyball games, the baseball team, including mm. your brother-in-law, would show up with cheese heads, Wisconsin like Packers. Oh right, right, right. Cheese because my name is Bree. Uh, I like that. You know, we're actually really big fans of puns on the show, actually. Yeah. So we, we like Rickard that. still calls me cheese. Your brother-in-law calls me cheese to this day. Like when he texts me, he's like, hey, cheese. To, like, it's not going anywhere with that one. And I don't think that it should. I think, first of all, brie cheese is a good cheese, Joe. I think you'll agree with me on that. It's yeah, it's, a, it's hard to spell, but it is a good cheese. Is hard it? to spell, easy to eat. What more do you need? There you go. Um, so follow-up, uh, talking about uniforms, did you have any ideas for a color scheme for these uniforms? I mean, I'd like to kind of see like the skin tone of everybody kind of based on you. I'm thinking we like maybe like a neon summer situation. Like let's go kind of maybe like Miami Vice-ish a little bit. You've got the stash, like we can really play into this. Yeah. I think Jimmy likes it. This is something I like. I, just, I don't know, I feel like the stash and the hair, I feel like we can make it a little Miami Vice-ish. I think that's kind of the, this like, is all the huge, way, you know. This is all huge. This is all. I don't think we've ever had so many. This is all big. I love Miami Vice. I love Art Deco. This is all big. 
I, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm like really adding a lot here. Like Brian you really are. Kind of nonsense. At the very least, even if you don't get the position, we'll be stealing a lot of You're your ideas idea. and saying that <laughs> they're ours. Just yeah, you... That's all I ask. Just cycle yes. Let's move on, Bree. Uh, you know, like I said, we had a position uh, in our in interviewee last time, Brian Anderson. And, uh, you know, last time we, we talked with him that, that you really cannot underestimate the importance of scapegoating and forming a coherent team. What role does blaming losses on referees have in keeping a team unified? And do you have a favorite example of blaming a bad play on a bad call? I mean, I'm going to have to back it up a little bit. I, they're not called referees. They're umpires. That's true. In an early, in a that was actually a test. Was that it? was a test. That was actually it a was. test. You passed, luckily. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. I agree. Use the right verbiage. I agree. Um, no, I mean, God, I don't really, I don't have a favorite, like, I, I don't have a play. I didn't really play softball, like, ever. What about even in your volleyball career? Was there ever a time where you really blamed a mistake on, on the, uh, the line judge or somebody like that? No, not really, because it's it doesn't really apply so much to volleyball. Like, they call oh. nets and, like, ins and out, but, like, if the play was – like, you can't really blame – like, they can get a bad call for sure. Every mm -hmm. – I actually feel <laughs> pretty badly for <laughs> referees, umpires, like, any sort of officials, right, because right. to be able to, like – really make the call in real time a challenge. Um, and I'm married to an NBA coach. So I hear a lot about the officiating <laughs> all the time, but I don't envy them. I definitely don't envy ever being like an umpire referee, any sort of official, because that's kind of hard. And then you have, you know, you have the guys in the dugout that are screaming at you that you made the wrong right. call. And or do they use umpires in intramural softball? Yes. They do? They do. Oh, see, I didn't know that. You stumped me on that one. I didn't Yeah, know. well, that took that took away your point for the referee umpire. So now you're back to baseline. But you're, you're still doing even. well. Yeah, yeah, you're back. back to even. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take a I'll take a hit on that one. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I mean, how how could you know? I mean, you are you are interviewing for the position that you need to know, but that's now now that you do know, we can move forward from that. Hey, it's all part of the educational curve here. That's true. Yeah. Well, well, Jim, it sounds like she's saying that she would play a, a clean game then. If we're not trying yeah, to. Yeah, which I have mixed feelings on. You know, there's definitely a very important cohesive quality of blaming, you know, blaming the umpire. But uh, I do understand the point that Bree is making. Of course, umpires do have a very hard job. And, uh, you know, we do need to be respectful of the mistakes that we all make as people. To go back to a point that Bree made earlier, I think we all get behind this idea of not being assholes. I Maybe mean, I to fly around that idea. Yeah, I kind of live by the like, you know, like live clean, right? Like keep yeah. your camera clean, keep your keep your plate clean. If you're gonna like, if if there's a real questionable call, sure. Like I've definitely yeah. yelled at referees in my life. Like that has well, that's all that I wanted to know. That's, okay, good. So now that you've you've, that you've has come back to that happened. Okay. But if there, if you know, I mean, there's a point of integrity that should also be kept in sports. And if you know that you were out or blah, 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 maybe you can be honest. It'll pay it back. I like that. I like, I like the commitment to honesty, Brianna. This is really, this is really, this is really coming together very nicely for you. Thank you. Joe, when you're ready, we'll go on to the next question. Okay. All right. David Deutsch, physicist slash author of the beginning of infinity makes the case for humans to achieve unlimited progress 
through a process of conjecture and experimentation. In sports, we call this process practice. How do we motivate a team to practice when they aren't being paid and alcohol consumption is discouraged by league rules? Well, I think what I heard was that alcohol was discouraged. I didn't hear that it was illegal. I like I that. That's hear. a good, that's, that's, that's. I just like, you know, it's frowned upon. Okay, that's fine. It's frowned upon. Um, I will, if you will allow me to quote my father-in-law on this one, yes. he has a very famous quote with his own kids that's ask for forgiveness mm. instead of permission. Mm. So I mean, I think there's so many ways to be creative with that right now, too. I mean, there's definitely Yetis that hold an entire bottle of wine. There's, right. you know, the seltzer rage, like the white, like that looks like water. Yeah, That's it fine. does. Be fine. I really, Jill, I mean, let's just take a moment. I mean, what a perfect answer to the question. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's all be honest here. If we can drink, we should be drinking. I mean, is this even tea right now? You guys will never know. I'm not under any legal obligation to disclose what I'm drinking right now. I'm not driving a car, you know? So I really appreciate that answer, Brian. I think you make a really good point. We should, we should take a step back and really think about this. You can put an entire bottle of wine in a personal yeah. container. In a Yeti cooler. In a Yeti cooler. So you can chill the wine to the perfect temperature and have the yep. whole thing for yourself. It stays cold. It it lasts. Yeah, I mean, as fast as you can drink it, obviously, it's there for you. Right. Um, I would say that this, the the tricky part is you can't really tell exactly how much is gone. Right. So just be mindful. So when you are bringing your Yeti size container or whatever right. you're bringing with your entire yeah. bottle of whatever's in there, mm. let's just make sure that we have a safe driver on the way home. Yeah. And we, we got to make it through all seven innings as well. Oh, we'll be fine. Yeah, I, I like that, Brie. I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. We should, even though drinking is a scourge, it's not prohibited. And so we should find a way of doing it that raises the least amount of suspicion. That's what yeah. I think is what you're saying. And I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely. All right, Brie. Well, let's, let's keep moving on. We're, we're nearing the end here. Now, just a couple, few more questions for you. Um, here at Rose and Render, we take safety seriously, both on and off the field, of course. We encourage proper PPE in all things that we do. Your background is volleyball, which is famous for knee pads. Have you considered incorporating PPE into your personal life to protect you from daily bumps and bruises? I know I have. I'm gonna go ahead and leave the knee pad one off and you can take that wherever you want it. Sure. The I will say this, you definitely need, if you, are of childbearing age father some wise mm. and you have a child yeah a young child you should invest and think seriously about wearing an athletic protector during wow. during those young little toddler years i cannot tell you how many times i have seen a man go down by an 18 month old a two-year-old running into the arms like it's a literal kick in the nuts and it happens often Absolutely. So I would say we're going to leave the knee pad alone because that's an obvious one. But the athletic protector is probably something that you guys should. No, I think you're totally right. And really what, what brought the knee pad went to my attention was uh, my sister a week ago was walking in her bedroom and just smashed right into the bed frame. Just totally smashed into the bed frame. And I, I know that I've done that myself as well. 
Right. So I've often thought about wearing shin pads or knee pads or something to protect myself from those awkwardly large bed frames that stick out beyond the mattress. Yeah. You know, we've all, we've all, yeah. What, what, what idiot made those? I don't know. They should always, like, it has to be like a bumper situation. They need to be upholstered and padded. Like, you can definitely lose a shin, a toe. I've seen it happen. Oh, absolutely. I think we've all experienced it. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I think we have two, two more questions, Joe. Let's get on to our, to our penultimate question and then we'll wrap things up with Brie. I'm sure that she's very busy and need to get back to, back to other things that she's working on today. Okay. Uh, this is the question. A typical registration fee is around $20. Is that an expense you feel comfortable covering? We do have scholarships, but as you can imagine, they tend to be expensive. Right. Is it a re so my I had a like a follow up question to that was is it a registration fee for the whole team is it per game is it like twenty bucks per game to play? It's uh, per per person per team. Per person. Per yeah. Team. Yeah. Okay, so if somebody maybe is struggling, yeah, I understand. Um, I've had great luck with car washes, lemonade okay. stands. That's great to know. Yeah. Also, if you do have kids, sell a kid. That's fine. I agree with that 100%. And I, and I like to know that we can always count on Brittany to make the tough calls. And she just made a tough call right there. And I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And then if you saw the kid, that's less kicks to the shins and to the nuts, right? That's true. There you go. That's a, that's a synergy. All right, Brie, we have one more question for you. We like to end these interviews with kind of these uh, scenario type questions to kind of give you a chance to think on the spot and to kind of come up with a unique, a unique answer and really kind of put you to the ringer with this last one. So take your time with it and uh, here we go. Thanks. Imagine this, you're a quirky teenage genius with a crazy idea, just crazy enough to work. But the corporate big wigs who run the town don't want the new competition. How do you thwart the powers that be and how do you save the day? Great question. Yeah. I think in this, I think we have to go and embrace the fact that we're a quirky teenager in this scenario, right? Like, absolutely. We're taking, so like, similar to The Godfather, we're not taking it to the mattresses, we're taking it to social media. We are going to out social media this old guy that's who's brilliant. in charge. That's brilliant. So that's what we're doing. We're taking it to the TikToks and to the Instagram and to the Twitter, and we're putting it on the line. I like that. <laughs> I like that. We're going, we're going to go a full scale social media attack on the bigwigs and see if we can't weasel our way in there. Because what, what, I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. We'll figure it out. That's a brilliant answer. We're going. Yeah, I think that's, I, I couldn't imagine a better answer to that question. And I think it actually would work in real life. I mean, that's what they do, right? Like that's the power of media. That it's its own beast. What we're doing here on the Roses Rhetoric Show. Exactly. Fighting the powers that be one tweet at a time. There you go. That was that was fantastic. Bree, I, I want to thank you for being here on, on the interview. I think you made a very powerful case for yourself for this position. Um, we're still going to entertain a few more leads that we have. But uh, wow, I just think this really was a strong showing on your part. Um, <laughs> Joe, let's let, let's move on to our next segment. Let's let's, let's do our album of, the, album of the week. Let's get that review out of the way. And then we'll sign off with Bree and then come back for the uh, remainder of the show. Yeah, and I, I as well wanted to thank Bree for coming on. She's definitely given uh, Brian Anderson, World Series winner Brian Anderson, some competition here today. Well, thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. And anytime I can go against BA, I'm game. Perfect. 
Okay, and so the album of the week for this week is Shades of Blue by Madlib. And then here's the review. So stepping into a record store and searching for music can be overwhelming, like shopping for beer or wine. If you want to try something new, sometimes it's best to pick up an album based on who released it. That brings us to this week's album, Shades of Blue, by the artist Madlib, and released on the Blue Note record label. To put it bluntly, Blue Note is jazz. If you're digging... If you're, if you're digging through crates for jazz music and you come across a Blue Note record, just buy it. At worst, it's going to be good. At best, your ears will fall in love. Then there's Madlib, a titan of underground hip hop who has worked with Jay Dilla, Rest in Power, and MF Doom, also Rest in Power, to name a few. On Shades of Blue, Madlib was given access to the Blue Note vaults to create an instrumental hip hop album. While Shades of Blue is grounded in jazz, Madlib also mixes in the sounds of funk, soul, vocal snippets, and that classic boom bop. Madlib has a tendency to create music that is wild and cosmic, but on Shades of Blue, he lets the original compositions shine while adding his own personal touches to each remix. Madlib's genius on Shades of Blue is with his restraint on each track. The final product ends up being an organic, melodic, and harmonic mix of jazz and hip hop with a great deal flowing in the undercurrents. Shades of Blue doesn't require avid listening. However, Shades of Blue is constantly fresh upon repeat listens and offers a tremendous amount to unpack if you so choose to listen with that intent. And that's the review for this week. It was a great review. And I, I did listen to some of these uh, songs over the week. I really enjoyed them. Brie, have you ever heard of that track before by chance? I have not, but I really appreciate like the in-depth review. Oh, yeah. That's uh, written by our, our official Roses and Rhetoric music correspondent. Yeah. He always does a nice job with these. He always does a nice job with these reviews. Um, Brie, like I said, we're going we're gonna to sign off uh, with this segment real quick. So stick around. We're going to do a quick debrief off air. But uh, just a lot of fun. Just one more time. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, thank you. Continue for the best me. of luck. And uh, very good. All right, everybody. So hang tight. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Just kidding. All right, people, we are back. Hope you enjoyed those words from our, from our sponsors. We're going to change gears up a little bit. We had just a lot of a really good interview with Bree. Definitely someone that we'll consider for the position. Joe, I think you'll agree with me that she's definitely a strong candidate for that position yeah she she brought she brings a, a lot to the table i think it we would definitely have to consider hiring her for the role yeah no doubt about it so doubt about it. so changing gears a little bit uh as joe and i do from time to time talking about books on uh on this show joe put a book on my radar a few weeks ago that i have really enjoyed reading the book i mentioned actually in the interview with Bree is called beginning of infinity by david deutsch and so joe i wanted to ask how you came across this book that you eventually put on my radar. And so as everyone knows, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Naval Ravikant, um, AKA the Silicon Valley uh, angel investor. And he follows a lot of, uh, a lot of books. He, he's a big believer in just really finding a book and starting to learn it very well. And he recommends starting with the basics, like starting with like the origin of the species, 
by Darwin or starting with a, a physics textbook or anything like that and just really getting a good foundational base level of knowledge for certain topics. And along those lines, another one of the books that he's recently been touting and putting out there is called The Beginning of Infinity by David Deutsch. And uh, the reason that this caught my eye was because I saw him taking this book very seriously. Like Naval's been reading for a real long time. He's got a long list of books that he recommends, but I've never heard him talk about a book as much as he talked about this one. And I started listening to him talk about it. And then also uh, another podcaster um, named Brian Hall, right? Am I, am I getting his name right? Brian Hall or Brett Hall? I know who you're talking Brett, about. Yeah, Brett Hall. Yeah, Brett Hall. yeah, yeah. Um, and Brett Hall also has a podcast series on this book where he breaks it down. And uh, again, that's just reinforcing this idea of just really reading over and over a book to understand it before moving on to the next chapter. And I really like that idea. I like that concept. A little bit about this book, um, Jim, maybe you can explain. I know you've read a little bit more than I have, but uh, just reading off the back of it, it's a provocative an imaginative exploration of the nature and progress of knowledge. So it's, it's, in other words, it's, it's breaking down, like, what do we know? How do we know these things? Like, what is unknowable? What is knowable? Um, why don't you give us your take, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, let's start with the title of the book, The Beginning of Infinity. Where that, in the, so basically at the end of every chapter, the author, David Deutsch explains different meanings for that title and you know basically every chapter ends with a discussion of an aspect of how we are at the beginning of infinity and the, the reason that you're at the beginning of infinity is that if you imagine you're anywhere on a number line going from zero out to infinity no matter how much progress you make there's always infinitely more progress to make. You never get to infinity. You never really even get closer to infinity. He has a whole chapter on infinity with like the infinity hotel and all this interesting, you know, kind of um, mental constructs that come out of thinking about infinity. But if you imagine that, if you, except for the, for the uh, argument now that progress has infinite potential that we can always improve infinitely, then wherever we are as a civilization, we always have infinitely more to do. There's always infinite progress to be made because wherever we're at, we're never really getting closer to a thing that is infinitely far away. Yeah, there's no ceiling. In other words. There's no ceiling. There's, there's no ceiling. And because there's no ceiling, you're always at the beginning. And so in a way, it's very inspirational because you're always at the beginning of a journey. You're always at the beginning of making progress for understanding the world around you. Um, a lot of what he talks about deals with understanding things from kind of a material perspective, the, the physical world. But he does make connections to moral arguments and to philosophy as well. And again, in these areas, the idea is that you can always, because there is no ceiling, we, we are always at the beginning of whatever process or whatever knowledge we have is always the beginning of you know, some, some future progress that we may make. The other thing is the, the formula that he gives for making progress is one that is in some ways intuitive, but when you actually take a step back to understand it in, in its detail, it's actually very complex. And the way that you make progress, and this is from David Deutsch's perspective, is by making a conjecture or a guess about the world and then doing some kind of critique of that guess whether that be experiment or some kind of rationality or something, if you 
understanding from logical argument or something, you're always in the, we, as a species, are always in the process of making guesses about the world and then checking those guesses to see how they correspond to reality, to, to the world as it actually is. And through that process, we're always infinitely, you know, approximating the world. There's infinitely more to do, but we still have a way of measuring progress by making better conjectures and by replacing and improving upon previous ones. And so every previous step is a building block for the next one. And there's no ceiling on how good our understanding can be. And so we just continue to move up the ladder of, uh, of, of understanding the world. And so I, I think, you know, as far as kind of an intro, those would be the, the, the first two things to, to, to start with. The, the notion that knowledge is obtained by conjecture and criticism in that for a society to have the ability to be at the beginning of infinity, they must harbor those two beliefs at their core. A society must dedicate itself to the, to, to the notion that we make progress through conjecture and criticism, that we need both to improve upon wherever we are. And the second would be the title of the book, The Beginning of Infinity, that because progress can be made with no ceiling, there's no you know, best, you can always do better, that we always have a way of improving wherever we happen to be at. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's, a, that's an excellent summary. And I think that's a good teaser for uh, some of the, the weeks to come. I know, Jim, we were talking about some sort of systemized way of yeah. breaking down this, this book each episode or towards the end of each episode. So yes, I think we still have some work to figure out how we're gonna do that, but I, I look forward to it. I think it's gonna be a great adventure. I think it will be too. Um, you know, sometimes when you read a book, you just immediately know that what you're reading is important. That's how mm -hmm. I feel and how many people feel when they read Nassim Taleb's works. That kind of like whoever you are, when you read Nassim, you're like, yeah, there's something here. Like, even if you thought there wouldn't be, it, there's something there. Um, I feel the same way about Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One. And uh, in fact, in many ways, I think the Zero to One argument very much ties in with the David Deutsch argument. Uh, and that's something that I look forward to exploring more in the future as well. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, definitely a, a lot of this, a, a, a lot to unpack with a book like this. Um, and for that reason, uh, you know, maybe a book like this, you're always at the beginning of infinity because there's just so many things in the book that you have to really understand and to comprehend. You're probably never totally finished, but uh, you enjoy the ride and you enjoy making, making progress towards that comprehension. I love it. Very good. Well, so of course, it, maybe it's kind of obvious who our shout outs are this week, but of course, Naval is going to be our shout out, but also Brett Hall, who does a really good job breaking these, breaking down this book. Brett um, Hall. Brett Hall. There, I'm saying wrong again. Um, but uh, really enjoy him. So follow him on Twitter. He has a YouTube channel as well. And uh, of course, if you're not following Naval, I mean, I don't know what you're doing on Twitter, but uh, okay. Uh, in any event, in any event, uh, do I think that's a good episode? I think it's a good place to leave it. Uh, a lot of fun with, with, with Bree Walton today, uh, talking about the gene position, a nice little teaser for a future segment talking about beginning of infinity. Um, so we'll go ahead and leave it off there. I uh, hope you guys had a good time. Follow us on Twitter at roses underscore rhetoric, go to our website, www.rosesandrhetoric.com. And of course, follow Joe as well at Jose four underscores Cuervo and on Instagram at Jose four underscores Cuervo. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Hackett signing off for Joseph Stanford saying ciao.